clearly your friends because there's a lot. I don't of know her. There. Don't know her. Don't like her. No. Sparky <laughs> <laughs> kind. So I just was loving what she was doing, and whenever she said, "What if I did this?" as soon as I heard "What if?" I thought, "Yes, just do it." So fun. It's really hard to say no to Jillian because. <laughs> <laughs> By passionate, do you mean pushy? Is that, is that a <laughs> euphemism? Charmingly so. I will always and forever resist the sort of dichotomies that are placed on educational practices, sort of academic here, emotional here. Things that they have been told are scary or that they, they feel sometimes are scary actually are really kind of fantastic. Hello and welcome to Earthy Chats, where we're cross-pollinating ideas in environmental education. We're here to share with you the best environmental education resources from across Canada and chat with their creators, digging in as to why they do this work, how they do it and what you can do with it. I'm one of your hosts, Jade Harvey Beryl. I'm the Wild Voices Program Manager for the Columbia Basin Environmental Education Network, or CBEAM for short a member of Canada's non-profit outdoor learning store team and owner of Stoked on Science, an education company and consultancy where I deliver and design environmental and science programs for K-8 adult across BC. And I'm another one of your hosts, Ian Shanahan, the general editor of Green Teacher, a global network of environmental educators that produces a quarterly magazine, books, webinars, and the podcast Talking with Green Teachers. Let's get started. How good are we making and using metaphor? How good are we at identifying rhythms and patterns? How strong are we at identifying general theories and anomalies? These are all tools of the imagination. So Adele's work contributes to that continuing sort of cognitive focused development. It's just so unlike the way we think of what school looks like that people that are maybe just initially looking at the resource don't see the rooted in theory. Welcome to the next episode of Earthy Chats, where we're collaborating on EnviroEd ideas. Joining us today uh, are two uh, very fabulous special guests, and we have Dr. Gillian Judson. She's the Assistant Professor in the Faculty of Education at Simon Fraser University. She teaches in educational leadership and curriculum and instruction programs, and her scholarship looks at imagination's role in leadership and learning uh, from kindergarten to post-secondary. Uh, our second superb person today is Adele Kantz. Kantz is an artist now residing in Surrey, BC. She's lived, uh, lived and had her work in galleries and shows in San Francisco and Petaluma, California and Dallas, Texas. Uh, people from all over the world have brought her pieces, uh, but most of her time is now devoted to raising her kids. Every so often she gets to create something new, like the book we're going to be talking about today, uh, which is fantastic fun. Uh, hello, and thank you for joining us today, ladies. Hi. Hello. Okay, I'm going to dive right in um, to Adele, because we've met Gillian before, and we're going to talk to you and about you later. Um, Adele. You've written uh, a book of art activities for youth um, that's a supporter for Gillian's book, uh, The Walking Curriculum. Uh, what is the book? Um, first of all, can you share with a title with us? Uh, the, it's called Playing in the Muck and Other Arty Stuff. Playing in the Muck and Other Arty Stuff. I love it. Um, so uh, you're an artist. Well, what's, what's your background in art? Like where did that all start? Uh, well, well I, I've always drawn 
and then in uh, college, I went to UC, or actually now it's UFC in Abbotsford, and that's where I took fine art. And uh, then eventually I took um, 2D animation, that's that, that hand-drawn animation in at Sheridan College in Ontario. And then eventually I took 3D animation through Animation Mentor when I lived in California. Very cool. Um, and I'm guessing that's then been your passion for your whole life, then being an artist. Was that all you wanted to do or did you want to be a estate agent and it changed? <laughs> Accountant. <laughs> Definitely wanted to be, no, <laughs> no I, I always wanted to be uh, an artist, despite and everybody telling me you'd never make any money at it. But oh it's, yes. it's, Ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> People do like to do that, <clears throat> don't they? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we suppress creativity? It's stressful. Well, with your book in hand, teachers can encourage creativity for all skill levels. Um, so where, where are you now? Where are you located? Um, I'm in Surrey, BC. I'm actually quite close to Jillian. Oh, in the same neighborhood. Nice. that's excellent. Uh, <laughs> and did you did you grow up there? Uh, I grew up in Wally, uh, BC, which is you know it, it, it it's it's a it's a it's a nice area. And when I when I grew up there, it was filled with uh, fields and forests and uh, things like that. It, it's not the same anymore. But um, we spent a lot of time outside. We weren't really allowed to be inside. So we spent <laughs> a lot of time in, in, in ditches and you know, looking for birds' nests. And, you know, that's just kind of, yeah. yeah my mom didn't want us in. <laughs> I had a similar thing. Go out and don't Same. come back until it's dark, you know. Get out from underneath their feet. Um, Very much so. so yeah, so this book is connecting art and nature. So um, was that childhood your sort of inspiration for connecting to environmental art? Oh, well, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, I never really, like as a kid, I never really felt connected to the, the natural world in a, in a sort of obvious sense. I think it was just so part of me that it was kind of like, do you feel connected to your hair? No, it's there, right? <laughs> so when I was older and I was, living in cities and you know there's a lot more concrete jungle that's when I really realized that I had this this quite deep connection to the earth and I I just needed to be closer to it and have you done some other art projects that um are linked to the earth and the environment specifically in those um sort of shows you've done or anything like that uh, yeah, my, my, my passion, you know, like, you, you know, as an artist, you always love drawing the human form and that's really great and everything. But what I really love drawing is parts of nature that most people don't really, um, they're not really terribly interested in. Like, I love deep sea fish. I love bugs yeah. and yeah, but just like things that other people would find uh, creepy. I find them fascinating and amazing and, and beautiful, really. So that's, I do a lot of that, like my main, my main love is sculpture. So I do very large uh, paper, mach paper mache sculptures of deep sea fish. Cool. Um, yeah. And, and, and I mean, the best part is when you're making it, you get to research them. So the more you find out about them, the, the more amazing they are. Um, so, and then you get to make them. Which is cool. And I think that some of those types of animals are underrepresented, you know, in the sort of world of of you know we like to look at butterflies and they have nice colors but some of those deep sea animals are so 
interesting and unique and inspiring. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, some of those sort of the sort of beady looking eyes and the weird sort of head assemblages or <laughs> you know sort of I nobody can see what I'm doing but I'm trying to do the one with is it the it's the like one with the light the, yeah, one, the, the one with the light that comes out of the front of the face and the big angry jaws yeah that is um, so like I mean the fact that there's bioluminescence in the ocean is is to me it's just so amazing and and I would love one day to actually see that myself that would be incredible but you know yeah and there's lots of teeth there's so many teeth down there it's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'm not sure if I'm right, but I feel like we the fact is we know more about the moon than we do about our deep oceans because it's actually weirdly easier to get things up there than it is to go down with the pressure and such. So I, I mean, there's anything we can do to inspire that kind of uh, investigative sort of knowledge would be pretty cool. I totally agree. <laughs> I'm going to attempt a funky segue here. So talking about deep sea creatures and just a little side note, whenever I see anything about deep sea creatures, I'm just reminded that like, we are not welcome down there. <laughs> Everything about it, they were just like the teeth were like, we, yeah, just don't even, but there was this really awesome display recently. I think it's still there at the Royal Ontario Museum in Toronto. That's all about three great whales. I think it's blue whale, right whale and sperm whale. And part of the exhibit talks about whale falls which is a, a term for those who aren't familiar with it, when a whale dies, I mean, what happens? It, it doesn't float. It falls to the bottom of the ocean. And that provides life for decades for other creatures. Just the idea of a whale fall, to me, gets my mind going. And it just seems like such a fertile ground for imagination. And this is the maybe cheesy, maybe profound transition to Gillian Judson's work in imaginative ecological education. Now, Jillian, I don't know if you are aware, but I believe the unofficial rule in the podcasting realm, if you are a guest twice or more within the same year, you enter into friend of the show territory. Oh, so, oh my goodness. Friend of the show. That is so <laughs> awesome. I, I would love to be a friend of this show. This is great. Um, and you have the best podcast voice, Ian. It's really great. You can read <laughs> bedtime stories to kids as well. Um, sure. I did like Good the night. segue. Well, I did like you. the segue. And I did, I mean, I'm sitting here listening to my awesome friend Adele talk about her love for the natural world. And, and I mean, that's something I, you know about Adele is she loves, loves, loves bugs. You'll be like, oh, look at that. <laughs> creepy crawly and she'll name it and she'll see where it comes from and she has the most specific language related to all parts of it um and she just thinks she, she lights up talking about animals and bugs and birds and yes the big ugly fishies her her business was big ugly fishies uh you should see the wall of her living room it's terrifying actually <laughs> i love it <sighs> to the average joe just walk in like whoa yeah never coming back for a cup of tea again Hey there, folks. This is Ian, one half of the Earthy Chats host team. I'm just here to let you know about the Talking with Green Teachers podcast produced by Green Teacher. If you don't know who Green Teacher is, we are a nonprofit network of environmental educators all around the world. You can join this network for only $32 a year. That includes a subscription to our quarterly magazine, which has been running in North America since 1991. All proceeds go back into the organization to help us enhance environmental literacy among young learners. 
For more information, check out greenteacher.com. You can find Talking with Green Teachers wherever you get your podcasts. So Jillian is not only a friend of the Earthy Chats podcast, she's also a friend of Green Teacher, a.k.a. a regular contributor, and her most recent article, which is actually one of the two free articles per issue, was a follow-up to an article she had done a year earlier about her new book, A Walk in Curriculum. And this follow-up article talked about feedback that you've been really fortunate to get. And, I mean, that's really the dream for any person who puts some sort of creative expression out into the world is to receive that feedback, and especially from educators. And you got some really, really rich stuff back from a great number of educators. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to just kind of walk us through. Huh, I didn't actually mean that pun for walking <laughs> curriculum, but there it is. Hey, but um, <laughs> it happens. Blind squirrel occasion on that. Uh, but what are some of the items of feedback that you've received and how has that sort of reoriented you as you continue forward? Thanks so much, uh, Ian. It really was helpful that I was able to do a survey earlier in the spring, right before one of our walking curriculum challenges. I wanted to know from the teachers who are using the resource, what compelled you to go outside? What are you noticing about the resource? What do you find um, when your students first engage with walking and inquiry focused activities? Those kinds of questions. And overwhelmingly, uh, educators said it's a very powerful way to begin doing outdoor learning and to begin to see how the outdoors can be a classroom in ways that is accessible in ways that are accessible to many of their students. So it's a very much an imagination focused pedagogy. So one of the other pieces of feedback was how can we use more of these quote cognitive tools in other aspects of our teaching? How can we learn to use more stories and how can we learn to use more metaphor and all of these profoundly practical ways to engage and grow imagination. So something that we had just this week was an awesome panel with eight recent graduates of our master's program who shared their research on using imaginative and ecological pedagogies. If anyone's interested, they can go to the Outdoor Learning Store website and listen to that podcast. So what I'm seeing is more and more teachers vocalizing and being willing to share what they're noticing in terms of uh, their students' engagement um, than in terms of what they wanna learn next. So I'm trying to meet them with what their needs are. One of the particular needs was, well, how do we collaborate to develop our walking practice. So that particular article is about collaboration, but it's a spin because I really profoundly think we need to collaborate with place itself. We need mm. to understand that that's not just the stage, it's, it's one of our most profound teachers, which is from a Western perspective, an unusual way of thinking about the natural world. But um, now my work with Adele came a lot earlier, but it is one of of the most effective ways I can think of to begin to really notice and observe and expand our connections to place. So that's why it's exciting that we're now sharing this resource more publicly because it meets, um, it fulfills some of the needs and wants of the teachers using the walking curriculum. Yeah, and I think the activities that Adele has done to supplement, so it's about 30 walks, I believe, in the walking curriculum they provide that, I guess, extra bit of scaffolding for people who maybe need a push. Maybe they're like, what direction should I go in, in terms of engaging my imagination? And it kind of gives an option that they might take. And then after that, they might take something completely different. Well, Adele and I, when we first started, I said, Adele, you're just an amazing artist. And I have these walks. Can you imagine 
an art activity to go with say the first 30 walks. Cause anyone who's familiar with the walking curriculum, the first 30 are quite brief. It might be called the borders walk. And it says you're out seeking the borders. And then there's a cognitive tool there, maybe a mystery or a puzzle or a game or something that engages the imagination specifically, but it's pretty brief. So what if uh, a passionate and skilled artist, not like me artists where I just sketch and I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know the difference <laughs> between depth and breadth and shading and but a really a skilled artist develops activities that are actually going to advance and teach really core art skills and that's what Adele did she designed uh, an art-based activity that goes with each of those first 30 walks and I I love that she brings that skilled and professional artist perspective to the work and we could spend the whole time talking about examples I love the the idea of imagining ghosts of beings that have been underfoot even underneath and this is in your promo video even underneath the pavement or a sidewalk like if you could imagine the ghosts of the bugs the ferns the birds the mammals the trees whatever that's been there like i just can't imagine something more engaging for a young group like i wouldn't be able to get them back inside by starting that and I could literally attest, I actually Ooh. did this. I did this with a class uh, as part of an ecosystems um, outdoor field trip uh, where we were talking about and, and decomposers. It's really, it's, I'd say that it's more difficult to get them excited about decomposers. I mean, they can see some of the bugs, but some of the other stuff they can't. So we thought about what it would look like if there was no decomposers. And then we thought about all of the stories that they would tell of all the, you know, history of all the different animals and plants that existed over geological time. And we ended up doing this whole massive clay where they each took a, a sort of group. We had the dinosaurs over here and the ancient fish, and they all came together to have this giant sort of battle over the earth. It was like outrageously fun. Um, so yes, uh, inspiration that is practical and useful. One thing I would love to add, because I know Adele won't add it. I guess you don't know how you see the world, but she sees the world in such a unique way. So let's just say that she puts a very, um, uh, first of all, she brings out the wonder in everything. So these art activities also reinforce what is wonderful about features of the natural world that people might take as ordinary. Um, you, if you want to have a good time, you need to go with Adele to one of those paint night activities, you know, where you're all <laughs> sitting around and you're painting the, the cherry blossom. And then at the end of the night, you hold up your paintings and Adele has a very realistic looking dinosaur peeking out from behind <laughs> the fence of hers because she puts a spin on everything. So, I mean, this, the walking curriculum offers some opportunities for imaginative engagement. And then Adele has added this level of the skills related to art, the humor, wicked sense of humor, and then just reinforcing what is wonderful if we choose to look at the world in that way. Oh, lovely. I mean, clearly you're friends because there's a lot. I don't of know her. There. Don't know her. Don't like her. No. Far too kind. I can see Adele like pressed, like overwhelmed by the compliments. Oh, I like, know. I, my uh, head is not going to fit through the door after this. <laughs> So how, Adele, how did you meet Gillian? So this is clearly not like a, you know, this is your, you've just met and done this then. There's there's some history there. Well, we've known each other, it's like about 10 years now. Yeah, our our, our kids went to the same elementary school and and that's how we met. We met through a group of moms there and um, and, and yeah, we're still talking to each other. So this is, this is great. <laughs> 
We also did another little project, um, an eco story project where Adele wrote these um, stories about wonderful creatures. Remember the one about the aphids and the ladybugs and then did art projects to go with it. And that I think led to this uh, desire uh, desire to create the walking art-based activities. Amazing. And the book complements the walking curriculum. But how did the collaboration go? Did Adele just come back with some things and you were like, great, perfect, that's excellent. Or did it go back and forth a bit? Like I'm always intrigued how people collaborate when they're coming from a written and then artistic sort of point of view. It always involves caffeine. So we would always meet over coffee (laughs) and conversation and um, yes, back and forth. So clarifying questions, what was this walk really going for? And then I I don't think I had any kind of editorial things I don't know I don't have that artistic ability so I just was loving what she was doing and whenever she said what if I did this as soon as I heard what if I thought yes just do it and I mean I I will say that um or you know despite being an artist and putting your work out in the world it's it's really hard for me to put myself out so when Jillian uh approached me with this my my first instinct is like to run for the hills because ah <laughs> but, but um Jillian is so passionate. Like she's so passionate. It's really hard to say no to Jillian because, <laughs> because by passionate do you mean pushy? Is that, is that a euphemism? <laughs> charmingly so. Charmingly so. <laughs> but she's she's so passionate and she believes in her work and, and what she's doing and, and people. I mean she believed in me, which was quite shocking. <laughs> But it, I did it. I did it. I made it you through. You did. You went out there. You're not just sitting like Papi Amesheing, your, your friends, right. Hiding your in fish water. friends. <laughs> very proud. I'm very pleased that you um, chose to put yourself out there because it is a, I mean, they're both amazing books. And I love this art thing because as myself, as a not, um, I, Ian is a talented artist. His drawings are f- yeah phenomenal when I wasn't feeling well he sent me this beautiful owl um sketch as a as a as to support me like he's incredible you even I mean you did art as part of your degree or drama I did I did both <laughs> yeah I thought so. awesome. yeah he's like spectacularly talented I on the other hand um my husband draws and he calls my drawings um uh beautifully naive childlike and naive I think is the euphemism he used is for um very poorly put together and I struggle to color in the lines even now um so for someone like me who is not artistically um talented although I hate that word you know or everybody's got their own talents um your book was a very accessible way to get involved so thank you for creating something that makes people like me feel better uh, about doing art I was really, I was really hoping that they're, they're, you know, sometimes when you look at, you know, fabulous artists and, and it's really quite intimidating when mm. you see their work and you're like, I'm never going to be that good. So I really wanted to make sure that especially kids weren't intimidated and that they felt they could try and they could, they could screw up and they could just make a stick figure and that's totally okay and awesome. I mean, in a world with stick insects, why can't we have stick figures? That's what pops in my mind initially. I'm thinking I should have done something with the insects now. Oh, book two, book two in the works. All of the resources featured in this podcast, plus many more, for students and educators alike, can be found online at the Outdoor Learning Store. Visit 
outdoorlearningstore.ca to view what's on offer. From waterproof notepads to binoculars and dip nets to sit pads, the store has you covered to take your learning outside. In addition, there are educator resource books to help you take your outdoor education to the highest level. That's www.outdoorlearningstore.ca. We're Canada's non-profit resource store. We are the Columbia Basin Environmental Education Network, or CBEAN. You can visit our website at cbeen.ca. We are the regional network for environmental education in the Columbia Basin, supporting a community of engaged and effective environmental educators by connecting them to resources, information, professional development and networking opportunities. So we've talked a lot about how doing these types of art activities, particularly in tandem with the walking curriculum, is very fun. And that's, of course, valuable. Stopping there in the analysis, though, I think maybe does a disservice to the pedagogical benefits, or to put it in, in more layperson's terms, the educational benefits of engaging in these types of creative activities. So we'll start with Adele, and this is a really broad, maybe unfairly broad question, but beyond the fun factor, why is art so important for students and really anybody to engage in? Oh, it's... Yeah. Yeah, I mean that is very broad. <laughs> um, for, for me, for me, it comes down to value and and what we place value on. Like so often, you know, we we think of it, things in terms of of a monetary value, yeah. and and if it doesn't have a monetary value, then it doesn't have value at all, really. So I I really think that art is a great way to take back some of that word, really. Because mm-hmm. with art, it, it, it teaches you to see things in uh, a different way, to, to, have, to hold other things in value that you wouldn't normally uh, think of, like a spider or, you know, like all of that, there is so much value in just those little things, like a, a bird flying and how, how, the, how the mechanics of a wing work. That's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, and, and my, yeah, I really, I, if people... If people could see a little bit more through the eyes of art, then then maybe they would ha- they would hold other things in more. Well, I'm not making any sense, but they would have other things would have more value to them, and then they would want to protect it, and they want to keep it and save it. I don't know. Well, sure, and terrible like, answer. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, that's the foundation. Like, I got I cut my teeth in the environmental education field in nature interpretation. And that was day one of the training session was know, love, protect. That was it. That was the day one starting point. And I've carried that with me ever since. And getting to see things through a different lens where you're not just maybe arranging things taxonomically. And I'm not saying that there isn't value in doing that too. I mean, that that's very important for research and citizen science and non-citizen science as well. But seeing the possibilities and the ability to forge those emotional connections, which you can't necessarily always do if you're only looking at nature with a left-brained sort of view. Or looking at it from a book, you yeah. know, rather than just sitting outside and looking and paying attention yeah and i'll put the same question to jillian like 
the value of art and these expressions of creativity, what are some of the deeper values that can come out of doing that? It just so happens that a class yesterday, I'm teaching a curriculum theory class right now, and we were talking about the aesthetic experience yesterday because my students come in with very limited views of what curriculum is. Typically, it's something we download. Well, I try to expand and blow apart that conception. And one of the classes we look at is how we might consider curriculum and curriculuming as engaging Mm -hmm. in aesthetic experience. And there's ample um, evidence to show that engaging aesthetically supports learning in many, many ways. I, I will always and forever resist the sort of dichotomies that are placed on educational practices, sort of academic here, emotional here, um, Mm -hmm. play here, work here, inside, outside, and all the different associations that go with with that. We're totally underestimating and misunderstanding how human beings learn if we create these, these boxes. So I like how you're doing sort of a both and perspective, Ian. We need certain ways of thinking. They have very profound value, Scientific thinking has helped us discover many, many things about the world, but it is one way of seeing the world. It's one way of engaging with the world. So I I really, really appreciate you bringing attention to the academic goals of the imaginative education approach and walking curriculum approach, because I fear that even for people who are starting to use it, they consider it a break from learning, which is the farthest thing from what it Mm. is. Because people come in saying, oh, imagination is important, but they don't allow themselves to really let go of a conception that imagination is just fantasy and, and make-believe and young children kind of work. Instead, I, I would like us to consider the profoundly pedagogical value of imagination as we see in the work of Dr. Kieran Egan and the notion that imagination is involved in storytelling and think of all the cultures in the world that acknowledge the power of story. And so it's not a waste of time. It's not pedagogically um, insignificant to spend time in elaborating, engaging and develop the features that allow us to be better storytellers. How good are we making and using metaphor? How good are we at identifying rhythms and patterns? How strong are we at identifying general theories and anomalies? These are all tools of the imagination. So Adele's work contributes to that continuing sort of cognitive focused development. It's just so unlike the way we think of what school looks like that people that are maybe just initially looking at the resource don't see the rooted in theory aspects of the walking curriculum. And I would encourage them to learn about those. Yeah. And, you know, there's blogs on your website. There are various podcast episodes like our one back earlier in the year that dig into that. And yeah, yes. And we live in this world, I think, largely driven by social media that's either or, which is just so destructive and it's, you know, it's polarizing us and it's just so inaccurate in most cases. I mean, I always think back to Venn diagrams and like most things are in that middle part where there's overlap and it's usually overlap among more than just two things. It's usually overlap among like many different things and the whole idea that two or more things can exist and be true at the same time. I feel like we're somewhat losing grip of that in some of our means of communicating, again, particularly on social media, and this is maybe a way to respond to that in a very grounded way, literally on the ground in many cases outdoors. (laughs) That was a bit more of a planned pseudo pun, (laughs) that one. (laughs) I don't know how well that one landed, but it it was somewhat planned. The, The unplanned ones are always better. 
I think they're all brilliant. I think that they should all, all be featured. I really think that the work you do as well is encouraging the next generation to be problem solvers and to uh, look at things from a different perspective, to share perspectives with uh, other animals and, and bugs and, you know, uh, historical things. I think it's so important, um, the work you're doing. Um beyond just two really cute, you know, cute bite-sized books that fit in, that you can take anywhere with you for learning, um, that seem just like, oh, it's just this thick, it's, it's, um, nobody can see my fingers, it's only a few mils thick, these books, um, but the reality is they are so important um, for encouraging and inspiring the next generation. Thank oh. you, I appreciate Thank you. that, Jade. Um, we talked about the what's under footwalk and the um, the ghosts and things. Do you have a, another favourite each, maybe, um, just to give people that haven't read the book a little um, a little sort of sneak preview of one of your other favourite activities? Oh, Gillian's, yeah, yeah, go Ooh. go. I have a couple. Then... I have a couple that I've heard frequently from educators. One is the lovely unlovely walk. So it. students are asked to identify things they think are lovely and the things just meant to be unlovely. And they can identify those in different ways, depending on maybe you're, you're working on having students work on their spelling and they're writing an actual list. Maybe they're drawing things if they're younger. I mean, those are just the details, but lovely and unlovely. And then uh, the very importantly with walking curriculum is that there's extensions and elaborations back in the classroom and with other subject areas. So in this case, they look at their lists and they create a master class list and then they have to argue that everything on the unlovely list is actually lovelier than the items on the unlovely list. And what happens is, is we can really notice that everything has different perspectives. So what I've heard from educators is that can end up leading into a really much more profound conversation about subjectivity and perspective. The other one is the feeling rooted walk where students go out looking for roots, but the cognitive tool that is elaborated upon whether outside or back in the classroom is looking at the nature of roots and how we talk about feeling rooted and the importance of uh, having roots in communities for our sense of well-being and our identity, um, et cetera. So those are two that people talk about. And then I have a friend who says every time the students go outside, they ask to do the line walk. And she doesn't know why, but they love it. So th those are my examples. I'll, I'll ask, let Adele go next. Uh, you stole my walks that I would have chosen. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about from, yeah, how about, um, can you describe a couple of the art activities that it doesn't have to connect to those walks particularly, but any of them that perhaps people might not expect? Oh, yeah. Um. You know, I'd have to grab, I'd have to grab my book and, and like, actually, like. <laughs> you do one, there's one with shadow and background. You have one that yeah. is the large tree. Yeah, see, drawing a blank. Okay. <laughs> I <need> more coffee. <laughs> I, I think for me, I think like my, one of my favorite walks is the, the lovely unlovely, mostly because that's my own biases. Yeah, it, it really comes down to my own biases for that. For that walk because I I love beetles I love spiders I love all the things that other people consider ugly and it it always it always kills me when people want to just destroy something because it doesn't look pretty and therefore have value to them 
So that one, I really wanted to challenge the kids to, to see that things that they have been told are scary or that they, they feel sometimes are scary actually are really kind of fantastic. So, and, and you know, if it saves a spider in the classroom, I'm, I'm happy with that. I um I talk about the spiders eating mosquitoes and things, you know, so they don't get bitten in the summer. And um, but one thing I've had when I've been out with kids and we've been looking at birds is they've looked at the really pretty bird and referred to it as a as a female bird. And I've explained that actually in nature, most of the time, it's the men who are the really attractive, and then the female is quite sort of dull and brown or grey. Um. And that uh, we then start looking at comparatives between male and female and the species of nature and things. And that actually, um, when you put a lens and a focus onto maybe paying attention to the aesthetics of something, you can start to investigate it and break apart these assumptions that we make on things. And it's an opportunity to um, analyse deeper parts of nature or relationships between things uh, that I think is is really special and it just we just go down a rabbit hole of learning you know it's not it's not irrelevant we just go deeper and deeper into this sort of you know student-led inquiry that is so valuable for them also generally taking ownership of their education and they're feeling like they are a part of this learning opportunity and situation rather than just being talked at uh, repeatedly. So I found that my own use of um, the walking curriculum and now I'm just getting into um, playing in the muck um, have definitely helped me to connect better with my students uh, as I teach as well. So thanks for that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Stoked on Science, providing engaging, educational and fun programmes across the Columbia Basin. Is your school or organisation looking to develop your environmental programming? Connect your outdoor time more deeply to the curriculum or engage your students or teachers with unique programmes that go beyond the basic science topics, like delving into the history of the earth, how it's changed and where it's going. If so, visit www.stokedonscience.com to connect for environmental education consulting or to book programs for your K-12 and adult professional development courses. We're uh, coming to the end of our um, allotted time slot, although I feel like we could just talk all day about the things we're passionate about. But I wonder if there is anything else that you would like to share that related to the books or you know your hopes and dreams for it or anything that that we might finish with Jillian sure um I think that as I mentioned earlier the walking curriculum is a nice way to move people outdoors to get comfortable doing outdoor learning and has the message there that we are all very capable of engaging imagination outdoors I feel like Adele's resource is also a great resource for educators who think I'm not an artist. I can't teach art to my students. It's a beautiful text for allowing you to offer valuable skills in art and wrap that up with wonder and engagement with the outdoors. So I think it's a beautiful uh, sort of a ladder text as well. And I can say that there are, you know, there's examples of how to draw the shapes of things, you know, they sort of break it down into simple steps. It's really an opportunity for any level, any 
artistry uh, capabilities to, to get involved? I, I'll, I'll say that I, I'm not an educator. I, I really don't know anything about education other than what I've learned through Jillian. But I'm really hoping that this resource can be a help to teachers because I really, I really don't know how they do it, like how they constantly come up with amazing ideas to keep their students engaged. It, it must be exhausting. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm hoping that if, if there are teachers that are stuck and they just need a little inspiration or they just need a little fresh ideas that they can use this resource um, to help them get through that just to, or give their brains a break and let somebody else come up with an idea for them once in a while. <laughs> so. Absolutely. I, and in, I'm, an, I'm an outside educator. I go into schools, I do two hours and then I give them back. Like these teachers that, you know, dedicate their entire days and weeks, months, years, lives um, to, you know, help raise the next generation. You're absolutely right. I, have, I tip my hat every time I go into a classroom it's like how are you doing this and you're managing the social emotional physical um psychological well-being and um honestly resources like this um I think would be part of that you know treasure chest of of things that they can utilize to make that easier so well done <laughs> um I, I don't know whether she's actually going to say it but we were like emailing about things Adele and I and about anything else she'd like to share and she said do a search on the mating dances of peacock spiders yeah. you're welcome <laughs> and that is classic I... Adele it's fantastic right well look at the back of the book it was reviewed by Picasso and the review like just great wicked humor so and goblin and sharks I... too a big time shout out for the jaw-dropping goblin sharks oh, oh i love it you can't see but on my wall behind here i have these like um pictures of all like different animal and you know those anatomical drawings of things and i've got yeah. um some pretty ugly looking sharks ugly beautiful there you ugly, go ugly beautiful yeah. you know different. you know different different familiar yeah um i think we're we're pretty much there I, I I can't say anything more except um, you should get a copy of the walking curriculum. You should get a copy of playing in the muck and other arty stuff. Um, they're both available on the outdoor learning store and are um, oh, just, yeah, a weapon to add to your arsenal of uh, engaging outdoor education and then linking that environmental and ecological and imaginative education to every subject uh, that you're going to be teaching in your curriculum. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It was fantastic to be here. Thank you, Jade. And, and thank you, Ian, both so much. That was really uh, lovely being able to do this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And Adele, you've inspired me to go outside and I don't have easy access to an ocean to look at the ocean and imagine the deep sea creatures, but thinking of the deep, dark areas of the land, I'm going to go outside, find some sort of mushroom and imagine all of the wonderful connections that are happening among the roots and the mycelia. So thank you for that inspiration. Thank you so much for joining us for this month's Earthy Chat. You can find the resources featured in this podcast at the Outdoor Learning Store. That's www.outdoorlearningstore.ca. You can also visit greenteacher.com for incredible educational resources and webinars. 
and Seabean, that's C-B-E-E-N.org, for a range of environmental resources, including professional development opportunities, grant information, and green jobs. Lastly, you can visit www.stotonscience.com to chat with me, Jade, about science workshops or educational consulting. Tune in next month for more cross-pollination of ideas and another fun, earthy chat. You want to have a good time you need to go with adele to one of those paint night activities you know where you're all sitting around and you're painting the the cherry blossom and then at the end of the night you hold up your paintings and Dell has a very realistic looking dinosaur peeking out from behind the fence <laughs> of hers because she puts a spin on everything so i mean this the walking